0: You're listening to Sufficiently Selfish, your weekly dose of putting yourself first, being unapologetically you, and not giving a damn what anyone has to say about it. Hosted by yours truly, Emma Jones, your selfish coach and mentor. So if you're looking to create more space in your life for you, you're in the right place. Hey Gemini gang, welcome back to episode four. We're going to mix things up this week because my friend Tiago interviewed me recently for his new series on entrepreneurs that have quit the nine to five hustle to follow their passions and their vision of what an ideal life is. Tiago and I have this in common. We both realized that the ladders we worked so hard to get to the top of didn't lead us where we wanted to be. We let go and took the leap of faith, followed our hearts, and now find ourselves helping others figure out their version of freedom and joy, like we've been able to create for ourselves in our lives. In this episode, you're going to hear more detail about what it took for me to quit the nine to five hustle and my plans for where I'm working to be in the future, giving back in a much bigger way. So, again, this is Tiago interviewing me. Here we go.
1: So Emma, thank you so much for doing this. It's really good to, like after so many conversations, we had to actually chat with you from this angle. Um, So I guess the best possible starting point is to kind of introduce yourself. Like tell us a bit about who you are, where you're coming from and where you're going.
0: Sure. Well, first, thank you for having me. Um, I'm Emma, Emma Jones, and I am currently talking to you from my parents' house in New Jersey. Um, I am a life management coach who works mainly with solopreneurs to really figure out what their ideal lifestyle and day-to-day looks like and how to realistically achieve that vision for yourself.
1: That's awesome. How, how, how did it happen? What was, what was Emma pre-entrepreneurship like?
0: Yeah, actually, that's really funny because my entire life, I always said that I would never be an entrepreneur and I was just going to be a worker bee, get my paycheck and like that was going to be happy Emma move on with my day. No right. real responsibility about what works out or what doesn't work out. Um, And the reason I felt that way mainly was because I grew up with my parents running a business out of our house and It was just a very stressful time all the time we would always have employees in and out of the house and it was just constantly this talk about a struggle and stress and strain and my parents really had No separation between the business and the rest of their lives. I mean, especially since the business was in our house. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of really why I never wanted to take this path because I saw what, I mean, to me, what entrepreneurship meant was basically a ball and chain. And one of my main drivers in life, like a really important core value of mine, is freedom. So I saw entrepreneurship as like anti freedom, basically.
1: That's really interesting. I mean, not many people are kind of born into the belly of the beast, so to speak, and actually see the backstage of what running your own business is like. What what changed? As in like, you know, after having had all that experience, what made you switch from like, you know what, maybe that is something I want to do?
0: Yeah, it's actually really funny. And I think it's kind of like a few things that came together to result in me quitting corporate. So um the first thing is that my brother is also an entrepreneur and he um is extremely successful from a young age. My mom always said he was a hustler and I mean like a young age of like five, he was already um, you know, figuring out how to get money from people on airplanes by doing cute little tricks for them or whatever it was. Like he would just always find a way to be making money. So Um, You know, whereas I saw my parents just work so hard and reap so little, I saw my brother work hard and reap, like, riches and rewards, and it wasn't about the money. It's about the fact that he was just enjoying what he was doing so much, and that was bringing in money that I couldn't ever fathom, Um, and to the point where, to this day, I mean, this is now... I guess his first real business that he started was while he was in law school, which was God, like close to 10 years ago. Um, And like right from the beginning, he was successful. And even though he was in law school, that's what made him realize, I'm not going to be a lawyer. There are much like bigger and better things out there for me. But fast forward now, 10 years from then. And he literally has not only his dream life, but probably most people's dream lives. He, Um, you know, is extremely successful with e-commerce. He now coaches people on starting up e-commerce businesses. He has a beautiful wife and a beautiful baby and two beautiful dogs. And they go between Puerto Rico, their house in Puerto Rico, their apartment in Tribeca in New York City, and their cottage in Canada. So it's like, I kind of saw both sides of, wow, I grew up thinking this, now in a short amount of time, I see that this is possible. And it kind of fucked with me a little bit. I wasn't really, I was just, you know, and my brother was there just constantly saying, why are you doing this? Why are you doing this? You could be so much more. Um, But I kind of just wanted to stay in my lane. I was really successful as a project manager in um, software development and In my head, I was doing what I wanted to be doing. I got to empower my developers to become better versions of themselves. I got to um, you know, basically be in charge of these massive projects. And I love planning and and having other people execute for me. I mean, let's be real. It's the best part of being a project manager is you get to put everything in place and then just make sure everyone else is getting it done for you. but what I was really lacking in my life, or in my career, and then kind of like subsequently in the rest of my life was fulfillment. Um, when I originally left college, I was a, a cartographer and I was working for the American Red Cross building out maps for their disaster, um, international disasters. And this was such a fulfilling job. And I enjoyed it so much. I got to travel the world, work and meet amazing people. But if anyone watching this has worked in humanitarian uh, industries or fields, you'll know that you literally have to dedicate your life to the cause. So that's kind of what even sent me to corporate software to begin with was I had this extremely fulfilling career and no semblance of a life of my own or even you know, looking ahead into my career in humanitarian services, there was never this time in my mind where it's like, oh, you get to this point and then you just get to like sit back and chill and and bring up people below you. You're always struggling. You're always, all your weekends, all your everything. Um, And I enjoyed that, but I just burnt out so quickly on it and I knew it wasn't sustainable. So the reason I went into software was because um, I wanted to be able to make good money So that then I can give back in a different way. And I just saw this as kind of a different way to fulfill myself in that way. Um, But after five years of being out of humanitarian services, it didn't matter how much money I was donating. I just wasn't feeling fulfilled from what I was doing in the day to day. So man, it really is just so many things that piled up, but I kind of was just ignoring that inner feeling of needing more fulfillment. And it led to my body starting to break down in a lot of different ways. So um, first I herniated three of my discs twice, just because of sneezing. And when I went to the doctors yeah. and I was confused, like I'm healthy, I work out, I eat well, why is a sneeze causing my entire body to completely fall apart? And the only thing that they can tell me was that I was holding on to an immense amount of stress and that I just needed to relax, Um, which I think anyone knows if someone tells you to relax, (laughs) it's not that easy.
1: No, it's, it's, it's funny because people think it's like, it's such a, it's such a massive insight. It's like, why have you, have you tried relaxing? Yeah, it's like telling someone with a broken leg it's like have you tried not having a broken
0: leg right exactly yeah. so um i kept herniating my discs and i would just work through it i thought it was just some weird anomaly so every morning i would still walk to the office a mile and a half um because i knew like physically there wasn't really anything wrong with me so i can push through it's okay and I would walk to work. I would get to the office, grab my computer, and just lay down on the floor and do all of my work from the floor. And this went on for months. I mean, people would know that, like, Emma's crawling down the hall on the way to her next meeting. Um,
1: that bad, though.
0: It was, I mean, it was excruciating. They kept trying to give me an epidural, which is what they give women.
1: Yeah.
0: When in- so it's like, Jesus, um, yeah. I want to take drugs for it because... I felt like I needed to feel this pain and really connect with myself and understand number one, what was causing it. And number two, how do you stop feeling that way?
1: Wow. Yeah. I mean, people, people go through all sorts of processes in that transition, but yours sounds like it was really like full blast. It's like, yeah, it's, it's do or die really. And what was, what was the tipping point?
0: so like i said i was ignoring the back pain and um i don't exactly remember where it started but one day i was walking to the office in the morning and i got hit with this like extreme anxiety and i didn't know what was causing it and i just went on my way as soon as i got to the you know stepped over the threshold of my office door the anxiety immediately went away. It was like someone just clicked and the anxiety dropped. And I thought, huh, that's really weird. And then the next day it was the same thing and the same thing and the same thing. And again, I just kept pushing through it. It's like, okay, as soon as I get to the office, everything's fine so I can keep going on business as usual. And one day I was on the way to the office and I blacked out. I like My anxiety got so bad that I like lost my vision and I started freaking out because I'm on a New York City sidewalk and I can't see anything. Um, so uh, this is what I really missed, having a not smartphone, because I couldn't even feel for buttons to call someone to help me. I was just kind of stuck there. Um, Thankfully, I was outside of a Chipotle and a worker inside saw me. And even though they hadn't opened the store yet, like I was kind of just like, you know, like holding on to their window and they took me inside and they gave me some water. Um, And that's kind of when I knew that something really had to change. I wasn't sure what it was yet, but that became um, blaringly clear that I couldn't just continue on this way.
1: So there's a very clear message of like, I know what I shouldn't be doing, but there's no vision yet.
0: Yeah. And I think the only way I even knew it was work related was because as soon as I would get to the office, the anxiety would go away. So it was clearly something about going to the office. that was causing this anxiety. So, um, once I had pinpointed that, I think I kind of made the decision that I was going to walk away from my life as I knew it. I didn't know what I wanted to go to. I knew I wanted to continue to be making good money, but I had bigger visions for myself. Like I had fulfillment outside of work by doing things that I enjoyed, taking care of my body, going to dance classes, going to Pilates, being with friends. But so much of my day was still dedicated to things that meant nothing to me. So once I made the decision to leave my job, I actually went and found a therapist. And I've tried talk therapy a few times in my life, and it was never something that resonated with me. But I knew that if I was going to be making this huge transition, which walking away from a stable paycheck and the life that I had been building up into this point, it was, you know, huge for me. So I started seeing a therapist. I think I saw her for about four months just to really prepare myself for all the changes that were going to come my way. Transition times have always been really difficult for me, whether it was Um, starting college or moving to a new country or whatever it is, like transitions had always been debilitating, really. I mean, they just threw me off track. I would go, I would just spiral and it was a mess. So I wanted to get ahead of that and get my mind in a good place. So I think that really helped. Um, I happened to find someone who I was able to relate to and who was actually really supportive of the mission that i was on and wanting to find fulfillment um and you she still really do it? i'm sorry
1: are you still do you still go to therapy no, no it
0: was really just that four months right until i felt like i had really gotten a hold of my mind and anything that i was concerned about i had thought all the scenarios through, and I was prepared for whatever was going to come my way. Yeah.
1: Sorry about that. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I, I ask because I, I've always found therapy to be such an incredibly powerful tool. I mean, I, I, I've gone to therapy for years now, like continuously. Um, and I totally agree with you on having that kind of help through very difficult transitions, but what I found is, which is it's kind of an interesting thing, is that I realized that a lot of transitions and a lot of you know, things that go through life, especially as an entrepreneur, start to get really easy, not so much because of the experience, obviously that's, uh, that's one aspect of it, but I realized a lot of it had to do with having someone I could sit down once a week and go like, okay, like this is what's happening help me out help me figure this out and and, and move through it I've always found like you know the process of externalizing it to be incredibly incredibly helpful and to me it's funny like I've tried many different types of therapy but cognitive behavioral therapy was the only one that actually really connected with me yeah yeah
0: yeah (sighs) you know I've like I said I've tried therapy a few times throughout my life and it never resonated with me but I think since I had a clear vision of what I wanted out of this, I think that's why it really worked. And actually that's why I find coaching so beneficial because you're really coming into a coaching Mm -hmm. relationship with a goal that you want to get out of it. You know, a lot of therapy can be really open in terms of I'm not happy or um, you know I'm feeling these feelings, but you don't necessarily have a concrete goal that you wanna get out of it. It's not a set relationship. It's you keep having sessions until you feel you no longer need them. And I think yeah. that for me as an action oriented person has always been one of my struggles with it. But I think this time was different because I did have that clear goal of I wanna be mentally prepared and um, strong for the journey that I'm about to embark on. And I think that's why it was really useful for me this time around, particularly.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think there's a place for both. A lot of very successful independent entrepreneurs I know are people who who have that in, in one way or another, right? either through like a personal board of directors or like therapy or coaching or whatever it is, but like they really kind of have that, that soundboard, you know, to actually help them move forward. So, so what was it like? Like the picture I get is that you had, you grew up in this household where you saw the worst of entrepreneurship. You had a brother who showed you the best of entrepreneurship. You realize, like, life sucks as it is. I need to make a transition. Did you have a clear vision of, like, I want to start my own business? Or how, how did that come about?
0: I had no vision at all. And actually, this is something that I've been now that I'm very much um, intentionally creating my life something that I think about on a daily basis, but kind of my motto before I left um, working for other people was um, to live one day at a time and every day brings a new challenge and every day is exciting. And to me, this was like a very empowering way of living my life. It wasn't about what you're working towards. You know, I was surrounded in the corporate world by people who were working towards something. And I want to enjoy my every single day. So I never had this big picture vision. And when I knew that I was going to be leaving, um, I, I had no idea what I was leaving to do because I had no vision of what I was working towards. So what I decided was um, travel is extremely important to me. It has always been uh, a goal of mine to live and immerse myself in local yeah. cultures around the world. And I was able to do that partially with the Red Cross. But um, even when I was traveling as a humanitarian worker, you're really dropped into more of an expat community and not the local living not the local situation so i had had a really good taste of that during my study abroad uh, in college when i was living in india for a while and i really immersed myself in that culture and i really saw how much i thrived in that environment of having to take a step back and see how the rest of the world was doing things, or not the rest of the world, how each individual community was functioning, how they were interacting with each other, what was appropriate or not appropriate. And I'm a very adaptable person. And it's a challenge, but also a pleasure to throw myself into these for most people, uncomfortable, but really just different situations and to see how I adapt to them. So when I knew I was going to be leaving my job, the only thing I knew that was ahead of me was traveling. And past that, I didn't really plan anything. So um once i had gotten to a place where i really felt mentally prepared i told my job i think what was that maybe uh october or november of that year that you know i'm out and they they tried to throw so much money at me to keep me there were so many you know just stay till this project's closed out just you know it was all these temptations and It's funny because I had been pushing for a raise for a year and I did get a raise, but it wasn't what I wanted. And then I got the raise that I wanted about a month before I quit, which was um, to them a slap in the face. But to me, even though then I had already gotten the money I was asking for, and now they're trying to give me more money, what that like was to me was the universe tempting me with mediocrity. And it's like, okay, you know, like you've been like money has been a huge focus for you up until now, just take a little more. And I was so at that point, like resolved to create a better life for myself that I knew not only was easy for me to take, all I had to do was go after it, but was going to result in me being just like a happier person live a better life like all these things all the time i would look around me when i was working in corporate and i would just see these miserable people who even you know these small things that i would do for myself whether it was making sure i leave work at exactly five o'clock because i have a pilates session to get to or um you know what no i'm not taking that meeting at 9 a.m because work hasn't technically started yet and i don't need to like i always had those boundaries that were important to me um and even just seeing how difficult that was for other people it was very clear to me that i had to get out of this environment and surround myself with people who knew that they were worth more in life and that their lives could be so much more Um, So no matter how much money they were willing to throw at me, I was not interested. And I packed up my apartment in New York City, put all my stuff in storage. And a month after quitting, I flew down to Mexico. And I had basically told myself, like, all right, you're going to spend three months in Mexico. you got three months to kind of figure it out. And that was the only plan that I had.
1: Awesome in a lot of ways i think that's the way to go like i think people try to overplan sometimes and like try to have something very concrete laid out um which ultimately doesn't make a lot of sense but you touched on something that i find very interesting and and increasingly interesting which is i think oftentimes when you talk about the entrepreneur there is and and those people exist i mean there is that vision of like someone who decided Like I have a goal in life, which is, you know, to build something or, you know, I want to make more money. But there's that drive, right, to like build something that will eventually turn into like an achievement in some sort, right? Either financial or emotional, whatever it is. But there's this other entrepreneur, and I don't even know if you call them entrepreneurs. I think like business owners is probably a bit more of a, a fit. So these people are like, you know, what? I'm not driven by these great accomplishments, or you know, like I'm. I, I don't have this this go of building a business. It's more like a a way towards something rather than the go in itself. Um, did you Did you find that?
0: I do feel that you're seeing that increasingly more now, and I think that it's part of this millennial you know it's like what everyone says about millennials in a negative way it's actually the positive of what those things are we're looking for and it's funny that i say we because i never consider myself a millennial but i am um we're for more in life we've seen the generations before us slave away for seemingly i'm not gonna say nothing but for a certain type of an existence the picket fence, the house with the yard and the children and the, you know, the parents who go off to work during the day and then come home and they try to figure out, a, like just talking about it seems stressful to me, but it's this vision that so many societies around the world have been working towards for the past few generations. And I think now we're seeing a huge backlash going the other way of, first of all, what a shitty existence to be living. What are you really living for? Um, You're not, (laughs) is the answer. And um, I think also it's like, we see how detrimental the way that we've been living, not necessarily the way we've been working, but the way we've been living has been affecting the environment that we're surrounded by and the people's health, all these things, both on a level of burnout health wise, but take it more importantly to um, toxic waste and recycling and all these other things. So we're kind of just seeing how the effects of humans interacting with the planet are having um, repercussions, what those repercussions are. And I think it's really important to us as a generation to try and stop that or at least um, take steps towards making it better. Because if we want to be able to envision a future for future generations, things can't go on the way that they have been. So I think that's really a big shift that we're seeing now, you know, and then having these expanders, so to speak, and an expander can really just be seen as an example of something that you didn't know was possible before. So when we think about all these people on Instagram or wherever they are living these ideal lives that they've created for themselves, it opens our minds, it expands our minds to what's actually possible for us. Whereas before, all we ever saw was our parents taking the briefcases, getting on the bus and going to the city to do work and then coming home to take care of us and maybe having the weekend to relax. So I think it's just that we've Number one, are rebelling against what we've seen come before us and what that's created on on the planet. And number two, we're getting a new vision of what could be possible for us.
1: No, I hear you. How how has that informed the way you run your business or has it informed the way you run your business?
0: (sighs) Well, I don't know if it's that in particular, but something that's extremely important to me is giving back, um, clearly. So I do that both with the work I do directly with my clients. I'm helping make my clients' lives better for themselves, but also what's important to me is donating back to you know, the greater population. So a percentage of all sales, not all profits, but a percentage of all sales I make go directly to causes that I'm passionate about um, I haven't really come up with a framework for that yet and I think it's important for people's money to go to things that they're um what they care about too so in the future I plan on having kind of options that you know your percentage of your donation can go to x y or z um, because I know when I worked at the Red Cross it's you know Your money kind of gets lost in a system, and I don't want that to happen. I want people to have this connection to the fact that, oh, by hiring this person, I'm also then being able to do good in this other way. Um, And like a huge future goal I have for myself is to have a charity and to directly give back to people and be kind of a connector and a conduit, Um, similar to how Bethany Frankel has run Be Strong. She has all these incredible connections just from being famous, being um, a successful entrepreneur, and she leverages all of those resources that are at her disposal to get aid directly to the people that need it. So in the past, when natural disasters have hit, such as the um, Puerto Rican, what was that? An earthquake or a, hurricane last year. There's been so many natural disasters recently. It's hard to keep track of them, but she got all her rich friends to donate their jets. She went to all these huge companies to get toilet paper and actual cash. And then she works with her organization to deliver those resources directly to the people that need them. So that is like a huge future goal for myself and that's how I see myself coming full circle back to the humanitarian that I know that in my core I am and have always been meant to be.
1: That's great it's 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 a very clear mission I hear you you say you know like beyond having the business you want like actually there's a there's a goal beyond it which is to kind of circle back and do more humanitarian work and donate money and help other people directly and indirectly i suppose directly through your work and the people you're helping out through your practice but also like people who can be helped through the money that you're you're getting do do you have any other models in the way you run your business or like other people who you look up to and think like you know what this is this is something that or someone that inspires me or I model myself after or try to be more like.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't think I necessarily have any models or heroes. This has been one of those questions that throughout my life has been really difficult for me to answer. Yeah, but same. I the term that I recently heard of expander is something that I relate to much more because it, again, just opens your eyes to kind of a sliver. So instead of just saying like, like Bethany Frankel herself is not someone I want to emulate or be, but this small aspect of how she's used her clout, that has expanded my mind to how I can then use my resources in the future. Or um, even my brother, I mean, he's got such different, goals and visions and way of working than me, but just he's expanded my mind to what being an entrepreneur can mean versus how I saw my parents be when I was younger. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think it would just be like, it would be me like Frankensteining a person together from a million other people who are doing a million amazing things in the world. (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I, I totally hear you on that, like actually borrowing different things from different people and creating this Frankenstein of like, what do you want to be or imagine yourself being? That's pretty cool. Like, I want to bring it back now to, to now really, like what is your, what is it like to run your business? What is your day-to-day like? Like, What is, what is running this coaching practice like?
0: Yeah. That's funny. Someone asked me that recently, who's looking to start a coaching business, and he really wanted to know, what does your day-to-day look like? And I pulled up my calendar, and even with that in front of me, it was really hard to describe that. But I think a lot of what I do is um, planning, big picture planning, because again, it's like switching my mind completely from Day-to-day to to really being hyper specific about what I'm working towards. And when I was at a corporation, that was always kind of defined for me, you know, these are the goals that we're working towards. And then as a project manager, I would just make the projects meet those goals. But now I'm the person deciding those big goals and what my company is working towards. So it's a lot of really exciting, high-level big picture stuff, but then and oh man i hate this term but now i use it all the time it's like you wear the many different hats of being the the person who does everything and this is one of the reasons why i specifically work with solopreneurs because i understand that struggle of being the only person who everything is falling onto and how overwhelming that can really be and especially in the examples that have come before me, my parents had each other. They also started with a third business partner. My brother has always had someone else that has kind of been pumping the money into him doing these things. So there's always been this partnership aspect in the models that I've had. And I'm really the first person that I know that's doing this completely by themselves. Um, So when I first got started, it was again, like the word overwhelming is really the only word to describe it. And it is the number one word that I hear my clients use to describe themselves because when you're running a business and everything is on you, it's really easy to number one, be caught up with feeling like you need to just constantly keep working because you're the only one that's doing it all. But also having to figure out how to do all these things that aren't necessarily part of your Your expertise or your wheelhouse. So I'd say in the beginning of starting up, most of my days was really learning. I was basically putting myself back in in school, so to speak, and I had to learn about marketing and um, setting up a company and separating your finances and all these things that you really don't think about. When you have a passion and you're, you go out to say, you know, oh, I want to create my art for a living or, oh, I want to serve people. You're not thinking about all these other aspects that go into running a business, kind of what you were saying before about, um, this kind of new wave that we're seeing of people who are caring more about the life they're living and how they're giving back, um. Versus the person who just wants to start a business and run a business. So uh, that was a big part of it up front. And now that I kind of have the knowledge aspect under my belt, it really is just about trial and error and applying that knowledge. So um, one of the mottos that I've held onto that comes from the agile development world is fail fast and recover quickly. And this has been really important for me because I wouldn't call myself a perfectionist, but I'm definitely someone who doesn't like just putting a lot of things out and seeing what's going to stick. And I really had to change my approach because at the beginning, you're trying new things. You're, you know... You do. It's trial and error. So I didn't want to be holding on to stuff, obsessing over whether it's right or this or that. And in order to kind of force myself to live by this motto, I would make myself put things out that I knew were incorrect to kind of like rip the bandaid off, so to speak. So for example, my first website iteration, I built it to be this beautiful website, it was gorgeous. And as soon as I pressed publish, I laughed and said, okay, now I have to completely redo this because I built this website for me, not for my client. And I knew that the entire way through, I just had to get something out the door. And that kind of, it just really helped take the pressure off of a lot of things. I think, especially again, when you're running a business by yourself, you don't have someone else to be giving input Um, like helping each other raise the bar, catching things that might be a spelling error or whatever the case may be. You don't have that necessarily um, as a solopreneur. So just being able to make myself get things out there was really helpful to, you know, making those first steps that then um, you know, snowball into bigger things and better things and the right things, the right things. There's never right. And if anyone has a website, they'll know that it is never completed.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I, I fell into the trap many a time. What is your, cause I th- I find it super interesting when you talk about, you know, borrowing agile from, from your software development days and implementing those into like your, philosophy of you know of how you, you manage your business, how you 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 grow your business. How would you recommend other people implement that in the way they run they run their own kind of independent solo freelance business, whatever people like to call it?
0: So when you think about agile like uh, theory, you really have your minimal viable project or product that you're releasing so you really just want to get the bare bones out and what agile is is seeing what hits and iterating from there so i use this number one in my business where i'll release things at just the bare bones and then start to build from there but i also use it in my actual coaching with my clients because everything is going to be trial and error you need to try something out to know if what we've discussed in theory is going to actually work in your life. And this is why I generally, and of course with every client it's different, but I generally recommend that I meet with my clients every other week, because you really need time to implement what we've discussed and see how it works and where it's breaking down. And then we come back to the drawing board together and we very much like an agile, you know, development meeting, we dive in what's working, what's not working, what do we need to introduce, and what do we need to stop completely? Um, So I think that that really, it really has defined both my work that I do for myself, and also how I work with my clients, and why I think my clients are so successful in the work that we do, because it's not just, again, In therapy, and every therapist is different. So this is, I can't even really paint a broad stroke like this, but stereotypically in therapy, you're talking through things. You're not necessarily talking towards something. Every single session with my clients, they walk away with action items that they've defined for themselves that they think are going to benefit themselves. And we use frameworks such as figuring out what your bad habits are and working back from there to make it a better habit or to stop that habit or um, what do you need to introduce in order to be successful? So for example, I was just on the phone with a client right before this and something that they were struggling with is really having an end time to their day. And we looked at the mathematical breakdown of a behavior which um, BJ Fogg, he's an author who wrote Tiny Habits, he outlined like a mathematical equation behind what a behavior is. And it's behavior equals motivation times availability times uh, prompt. And basically what that means is you can create any behavior by looking at these other three parts of the equation. A prompt is basically a trigger that's going to start that thing off. So for example, your alarm going off in the morning is a prompt for you to wake up the availability is how easy that action is for you to do. Or I think it's actually ability, not availability, but it's the like how easy is that action for you? So again, if we look at that classic example of people who lay out their workout clothes the night before so that as soon as they wake up, their workout clothes are there for them to put on. That's the um, ability aspect. And then motivation is the least important aspect, because as we all know, you can't rely on motivation. Motivation comes and goes. It's not a constant. So that's kind of like the last leg to stand on. But what he's saying is your motivation is your why. Like, why is this important? So if your alarm goes off in the morning and your clothes are laid out for you and you still are feeling like you want to hit snooze, then you come to your motivation. Why did I start this process to begin with? why is my alarm going off? Why are my clothes ready for me? Oh, it's because I'm feeling really shitty about my body. And I told myself I was going to do something about it. So we really look at where you're not, uh, what's the word functioning at the level you want to be functioning at. And we create behaviors based on your particular circumstances and how you best work, how you best function and the results that you want
1: amazing i love that i think i, I completely agree with you like but I, when i look at my business and the way i work with people i love the idea of tiny experiments continuously testing something adjusting figuring out going back like is this working is this not working and trying to find that leverage and i think it goes back to what you were saying before i mean you're working by yourself you don't have a team of people to kind of help you out so you need to find them really like when i say fine like obsessively look for those leverage points where, you know, 20% of your effort is actually doing 80% of the, the heavy lifting. I love it. Let me, kind of getting to, to the end here, I, I, I wanted to ask you something. I was thinking about hearing you speak because it, it seems to me like you went through such an incredible transformation in the last few years of, you know, from almost passing out on the streets and not knowing like what the hell is going on. My body's telling me to quit to actually being on top of things and having, you know, the business you want, the life you want, and doing the work you want to do. If Emma today could look back and, and give a piece of advice to that Emma passing out in front of a Chipotle, knowing all you know now, what, what would that piece of advice be?
0: I think for me, it would be to listen with your, listen to your body and connect to yourself. I think I had been pushing down so much that was so important to me on a core values level. And in my last podcast, I was like talking about how living by your core values is so important to living a life that you enjoy and brings you fulfillment and all that. Um, But I was definitely ignoring those things I think that I would really just tell myself you can have more like that's a thing it's allowed and you need to connect with yourself to identify what that more really is and that's still a process I'm working on today I work with intuitive coaches and energy healers and um you know, a lot of more spiritual sides of things because I have a very logical, rational brain. I don't need to work on that. What I need to work on is understanding my true needs and my true um, feelings, which when you're such a logical person is really easy for you to turn that side off so I think I would tell myself and at that point I would actually be open to listening to future me but um not to relax like the doctors were saying but to stop overthinking and to start connecting to my feelings
1: amazing Emma this has been so so good Like, is there, is there any closing words from you? Anything you want to say?
0: Thank you so much for having me. It's been really nice. it has been
1: so good. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Emma, thank you so much.
0: Thank you. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If you're interested in learning more about Tiago, check out the show notes where you can find his website linked. See you next week. Thanks for listening to Sufficiently Selfish with me, Emma Jones. New episodes are released on Tuesdays. But in the meantime, you can find me on Instagram at Gemini Coaching. That's G-E-M-I-N-I-I Coaching. And if you enjoyed the show, go ahead and subscribe. If you really enjoyed it, show your support and leave a review in iTunes. Till next time.